Uh, man, such a great, such a great new song. I've been listening to that song all week. Um, and man, what a privilege to be able to introduce it in this place. If you're new with us, my name is Johnny Pereira. I have the privilege of being um, the lead pastor here. And we're so glad that you're here this morning here at Salem Chapel. Uh, just want to make mention of one thing before we get in, and it's an important date, and that is next Sunday, August 29th, from 5 to 6.30, we will be in this room for what we call Ministry Vision Night. We didn't get to do this last week, or last week, last year, uh, feels like last week, but last year, uh, because of obviously we were dealing with COVID and different things, not that we're not still, but uh, we were in a different situation then, and so um, we really want to invite you to come back. Um, from Sunday morning, I know we have, we're obviously doing church on Sunday morning, but Sunday night from 5 to 6.30. Here's why. Because it's so important. If you are a family member here uh, at Salem Chapel, you need to be here. And if, you're, if you call this place your home, we want you to be here. If you're checking out this church to decide whether or not, whether or not it's your home, I know I would want to be here if I was in your shoes. Because what we are going to be laying out is really going to be pivotal to the fabric of what we do as a church and how it practically impacts you as a person, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother. And I don't say that lightly, that's significant. And so I want you to be here. We'll have childcare from birth through preschool. If you have older kids, they will have no problem being here on that night. So August 29th, take out your pen, write it down, pull out your phone, I won't be offended, put it in your calendar. Uh, 5 to 6.30. It's going to be an awesome, awesome uh, night. So turning your Bibles to Psalm 133 this morning. Psalm 133, we're in this uh, series that we have entitled Look Up. We're, we'll wrap it up next week, Lord willing. Uh, we've walked from Psalm 120 all the way, Lord willing. Next week we'll close it out in Psalm 134. I just told you we're in Psalm 133 today. Those are called the Psalms of Ascent. And they were psalms that were sung by the children of Israel as they made their journey to worship the Lord in his temple. And uh, I mentioned this last week, but I'll say it again. I haven't been teaching the majority of the summer. Uh, I've, I've, I took the summer uh, off from teaching. And so last week I put up a picture of when I was in Israel of what it looks like, the terrain that it looks like outside of Jerusalem. You don't have to travel far before you hit absolute desert. So the terrain that you see behind me would have been the terrain that many of the children of Israel would have traveled in order to worship the Lord. Remember, they did that three times a year. They would make this journey, some hundreds and hundreds of miles by foot to make this journey. And they did it for one purpose, and that was to worship the Lord. That's what the Lord had told them to do. So because they're taking a treacherous journey, a hard journey, remember Jerusalem is the highest elevated city in all of Israel, so as they're making this journey, the majority of that journey is them walking uphill. And so as they make this journey, they need to be encouraged. They need to, they, there's going to be times when they're going to doubt that they have the strength to do so. There's going to be times that they're going to be thirsty. There's going to be times that they're afraid. There's going to be times where maybe they're not even feeling well. All of those different emotions and circumstances that would happen on a journey of that length. So they sang these songs to encourage them to keep going and remind them of why they were doing what they were doing. And so that's what we've really been doing in these psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 is really the parallels are quite obvious, are they not? Where life can be difficult, life can be hard. 
Life can, we can be in a patch, we feel like, man, we're just cruising, it's pretty easy, like we feel like we're even going downhill and we're catching speed downhill in a good way, but then there's times where it feels like, man, we're just constantly climbing uphill, but not in a good way, in a hard way. And what do we need to do in those times, whether we may be in a, in a sweet season of life or we're in a difficult season of life? The Lord wants us to look up because that's where our hope is found. And so this morning is no different than every other psalm that we have looked at, although I'm very thankful because last week I had to tackle 18 verses. This morning I only have to tackle three. Uh, so I'm very encouraged this morning. Um, so look at Psalm 133 and let's look at verse one. Here's what the psalmist says. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And we're gonna talk about the significance of how this psalm applies to us today and the significance that it was in the life of the people that sang it as they were on the journey to worship the Lord in his temple. But before I do, I want us to pray. Aaron already prayed for, for just our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing unfathomable circumstances. Like in some ways, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here singing and we sang a song, like I won't bow to idols, I'll stand strong and worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. And I'm thinking to myself, we're sitting here in an air-conditioned building. I'm, I know that I'm gonna be able to go to a restaurant afterwards and eat a meal, maybe take a nap, be in an air-conditioned home. And there's brothers and sisters and another place in this world that are preparing their families that they're going to die for their faith. And so I don't know about you, but, but I'm like, Lord, I'm singing these words, but I know there's other people on another part of the world that are literally living that out. And I don't say that to make us guilty for where we are. I just say that, that we need to make sure that we're astute this morning and empathetic to the situations that are around us because it really does bring perspective on not to minimize the things that we're going through, but to have a spirit of, of just empathy and care for those around the world that are brothers and sisters in Christ that though we don't know them right now, they will be where we will be one day in heaven. Um, so I wanna pray for that. I'm gonna make a hard turn here. I also want us to pray for our teachers. Many of the public school teachers start school tomorrow. I know you're not ex maybe excited about that. Maybe you are, I hope you are. Um, and I wanna pray for that as well. So let's go to God. Lord, we're here today to lay our lives in front of your word. God, we say here at Salem Chapel, and God, I pray that it's not just a cute saying, but we really believe it, that when your word is open, your mouth is open. So God, we know you're gonna to speak today. And God, I don't mean to uh, make the mood heavy, but God, at the same time, we do wanna pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, uh, Lord, that are there to proclaim the gospel. Lord, many of them, even from the United States, that, were, that went there as missionaries because that's what you called them to do. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you. God, there's not just Afghanistan, Lord, there's believers across this world that are facing martyrdom because of their faith, whether that be North Korea or China or other places. And so, 
God, I thank you for these brothers and sisters and for your church and that how it thrives in the face of persecution. But God, at the same time, Lord, uh, we lift them up to you. We, we pray for deliverance. Uh, God, in this life, Lord, we know that that will happen when we pass from this life to the next. But God, it's just a, it's a heavy thing if we think about it. And God, we also want to pray for our teachers. God, we're so thankful for our teachers that, that, that teach our children Lord, and the sacrifice that they make, and, and God, I pray for uh, just, uh, Lord, opportunities for them to show the love of Jesus, those that are teachers in our church, and God, that you would protect them, that you would provide for them, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see those that need extra care and are, who are hurting, Lord, as there are many, I am sure. And God, we pray as we get into your word this morning, and we look at just three verses, but what three verses they are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to think of, of, we just read this verse and it's talking about unity. It's really talking, uh, you could say community. After all, community comes from the word unity, being with, having things in common. Uh, one of the things that I miss most uh, about playing sports and is, is, yes, the competition, but it's the camaraderie. Like, I, I miss that. Uh, when I played sports, knowing that, that, man, all of these guys, we have one common goal, we, we, we have a role, uh, we're for one another, we're there to cheer on one another, we're there to encourage one another, sometimes we're there to, to you know, to kick, kick them in the fanny a little bit, whatever it is, but, but when you're a part of a good team, it's really a special thing, right? When you're when maybe you're struggling, a good teammate, what, is they, what do they do? They, they're there to pick you up. They're there for you to lean on, right? And, and, and that's, a, that's a beautiful part of a team. Like you guys know, I, would you expect anything else other than Michael Jordan on the screen? Come on. But that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of a team, right? I mean, I miss that. Now, now granted, I could experience that and play in a Y League or whatever it is, but the reality is, is, I don't want to break anything and hurt anything. So, so I, I'm no longer, in, and my kids are involved, so I don't have any time to do that even if I wanted to, but, but I miss that. And if you've ever been a part of that, you know the significance of that. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be anything. I think of just the code that our soldiers, our men and women that fight for our country have, right? This idea that we're not going to leave anyone behind, and the significance of that and the camaraderie of that, that we are for one another, we have a common mission, we have a common goal, we're in this together, we're all facing danger together, and knowing that these persons are for me, and they're going to be there if I fall down and they're not going to leave me behind. Those are, those are significant things if you've ever been a part of something like that. And so... We come to this passage of scripture in verse one and the psalmist says, behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, when you experience that type of unity, camaraderie community. But here's what's so often true in our lives. It is so easy for you, for me, to isolate when we're hurting. Just think about yourself. 
When we are hurting, when we are struggling, when, when we're discouraged, when, when something difficult has happened in our life, when some tragedy has happened in our life, whatever it may be, what is often our first instinct? It is not to run to others, it is to isolate ourselves from many times the very people who want to care for us the most. Maybe there's some reasons for that, and we'll touch on some, but the reality is, is it's the easier route to isolate. It is. It's the easier route for me. It's the easier route for you. But oftentimes in life, the easiest route is oftentimes not the best route. Have you ever found that to be true? I know I have. And oftentimes the easier route is a temporary fix anyway. That's what I've found. But some of you are sitting here this morning and you are figuratively that person on the cot that can't get up, that you just saw the pictures of the soldiers and you're isolating right now. Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you're in this room this morning. I I don't know. Maybe you're listening to this later on in the week as you're on a run or you're driving in your car, but your your MO is to isolate. And you're like, I don't want to cry one more tear over the situation. I don't want to explain my emotions again. I don't want to get emotional in front of someone else. But here's what I've found. The more that I pull away, the darker the situation becomes. So I thought to myself, man, why do we often avoid care when we need it the most? Why do we do that? Because in verse 1, it says, man, this unity, this community is good. It's pleasant. Let me give you some reasons that I came up with. There aren't passages of scripture tied to these. This is just me thinking why often I'm tempted to isolate, and I think that these will probably be common for you as well. Maybe this is a reason why we want to avoid care when we need it the most. We say, well, no one is reaching out to me. Nobody's reaching out to me. Nobody cares about me. Maybe that's a reason why, and so you're a bit cynical. How about this? We're afraid or we feel shame for the way that we're feeling. I know I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. And I don't want to admit that to others. We've talked about this before. I know theologically what to be true. I know all the Bible verses to speak to me about this situation. And so for me to go to someone and admit that all the Bible verses in the world are not helping me right now, there's fear in that. There can be shame in that. I felt that. How about, how about maybe this is a reason we avoid care when we need it the most? We equate needing help as being weak. If I admit that I need help, I equate that in my mind that I am admitting that I am weak. And I don't like to admit that I'm weak. Let me put it in the personal. I don't like to admit that I'm weak. Do you? And so often what we do is we equate equate weakness with admitting that we need help. And I think that's why we oftentimes avoid care when we need it most. How about this? We've been hurt in the past when we've been vulnerable with others. You're like, no, 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 Johnny. I've tried that song and dance. I've sang that verse before, so to speak. I ain't doing it again. That could be a a legitimate reason. And this is the last one that I thought of, and obviously we could come up with more. We see the situation as hopeless. Maybe you're not, you're wanting to avoid care when you need it the most because at the end of the day, you're like, man, the story's already written, the ending's already done. 
It's hopeless. And so you avoid care when you need it the most. But can I encourage you in this passage of Scripture that we're going to just dissect these three verses? That God created you and he created me for community. Community. That is what God has created us for. For others to be around us, to encourage us when we're down. To have people to speak life into us when we're at a place that we can't see it, see the light at the end of the tunnel on our own. When we're too tired, when we feel broken, when we're too emotionally weak. To do what? To look up. You weren't created to live life alone. Unless I'm confused to think so, that doesn't mean every person is supposed to be married either. That's not what I mean. It's a whole nother message. You weren't created to live life alone. You were created to experience the relationships that we're going to talk about this morning. So here's what I want to do. That's the problem, right? That's, that's unfortunately what we're feeling many of us right now or you have in the past. Or you're going to struggle in being tempted to feel that way in the future. So I'm going to give you two things community provides that are essential to encourage you to keep looking up. I want to give you two things from this passage of Scripture. Look at verse 1 again, and I'm going to read verse 2 as well. That's where this first one comes from. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. We've read that a couple times. Now verse 2. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. By the way, first mention in the Bible of beard oil. It's first time. Like, that was some awesome exegesis, wasn't it? Like, what, you know, first time this word is mentioned. First time beard oil is mentioned in the Bible. So, guys, if you've got one of those large beards and uh, you're, you know, now you've got justification to spend whatever you spend on that beard oil to keep it all nice and groomed. First mention of beard oil in the Bible. But there's a little bit more significance than that, right? So here's the picture. This picture that the psalmist gives of, of this person being anointed, his head with oil, it runs down his beard, it runs on his shoulders, down his, down his robes, it, it, it's a picture that comes from Exodus 29. So if you want to write Exodus 29 next to verse 2, you can, where in Exodus 29, God gives instructions for the ordination of Aaron and his other priests. So God sets up this, these priests to minister for the people of Israel and to make sacrifices on behalf of the people of Israel. We don't do that anymore because of what Jesus Christ has done. But, but they, were, they had a certain process by which they, they anointed them, ordained them, set them apart for the work that God had called them to do. And one, what that was is they would anoint them with oil. But what you need to understand, and you see it oftentimes in the Old Testament, you don't necessarily see it so much in the New Testament, but oil throughout Scripture is a sign of God's presence. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So as they're anointing these priests with oil, what they're saying is, 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 is God's presence, God, God's uh, ministry, uh, his, his spirit is resting upon you. That was the literal symbolism. But more particular here, the oil here that is used is an anointing oil. As I said, it marks the person as a priest, but what's the significance of that? So you're like, Johnny, so what? 
Well, let me answer the so what for you. This idea of dwelling in unity in verse 1 and the, the illustration of it being like precious oil on the head, what it's saying there is this dwelling in unity is literally experiencing this presence of God in my life in order to provide priestly care for one another. That's what, it, that's what the symbolism of it is. So if you are a child of God this morning, then you have the Holy Spirit. In other words, a child of God meaning that you've come to a place in your life where you realize that you're not good enough to have a relationship with God in a home in heaven. There's not enough good that you can do. I don't care how much you donate. I don't care how much you come to church uh, or, or whether or not you give to the church or you volunteer your time. And those are all amazing things and good things and, and things that you ought to give your time to. But that's not going to save you. Why? Because God is holy and I am sinful. But if I come to the place to realize that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to live a perfect life that I can't live, die on the cross for my sins because that's what my sin deserved, rose again three days later to show that what he did on the cross and through his life was significant and sufficient for God to forgive me of my sins. If I place my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior in what he's done for me, then here's what I get. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me, as mystical as that sounds, he comes and he lives inside of me. I have his presence with me everywhere I go. I have his power living in me to be able to give me the strength to do what I normally wouldn't do. But that's, that Holy Spirit in my life is not just meant to encourage me in my walk with the Lord, in my ascent as these people of Israel were ascending to worship, but it's also to encourage your brothers and sisters who are around you who need it. That's the idea of this oil, that because of Jesus Christ, on this side, even though it wasn't as significant in the time that the children of Israel were seeing it, because Jesus hadn't come yet, but on this side of the cross, every one of us, according to Hebrews, are called priests. That you have the ability to go to the Lord and to talk with him, and you don't need someone to intercede for you because Jesus Christ has done that. You don't need me to pray for you, though I count it a privilege to do so, but you can pray to the Lord for what you are going through, and you can pray for your brother or sister who's going through something difficult. That's the idea, how good and how pleasant it is when believers understand the privilege that they have to do this for one another. See, here's the first thing community provides that is essential to encourage you, encourage me, encourage the person who's next to you to keep looking up. Number one, mutual care. That's a part of community. Mutual care. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, I'm not sure, some of you may know who he is. Many of you probably don't. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor. He was a theologian. He wrote a little, small little book that is such an amazing book. I encourage you to buy it called The Cost of Discipleship. He was also an anti-Nazi dissident. He spent a year and a half in a concentration camp. And after being accused, he was actually plotting to assassinate Hitler because of what Hitler was doing in decimating the Jews and what he was doing, what Hitler was doing to his country. That plot was found out. 
He was tried along with his other accused plotters, and he was hung on April 9th, 1945, just as the Nazi regime was crumbling. But here's what he wrote about the significance of community. He says, not what a man is in himself as a Christian, his spirituality and piety constitutes the basis of our community. What determines our brotherhood is what that man is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. See, when you live in community and you look at that person and say, man, you have Jesus, you have Jesus Christ, love and forgiveness on you because you place your trust in, trust in him and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to be able to encourage you, to be able to give you the strength to continue on, but also to encourage others to do so. And I have that same spirit living inside of me, that that's what's rooted in providing that mutual care and that, 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 that desire that should be inside of us, not just to be focused on ourselves, but to be looking to care for others. That's the idea. And the blessing that's involved when you are experiencing that from someone else and the blessing that's involved when you're giving that to someone else. See, what I've found is, is when I'm most discouraged and I'm most just emotionally spent, and we've all been there, right? You may be there now. That one of the, one of the best things that I can do to get me out of that that, that spiral is to think to myself, who is someone that I can care for? Who is someone that I can serve? Because think about it, if we just allow ourselves to sit in our own muck, and I don't minimize that at all, but just sit there and keep dwelling on it and dwelling on it and dwelling on it, what happens is, is we become so self-focused. And when we're so self-focused, that is not what's going to help us have the perspective to be able to be, to rise up above that and to look up. Why? Because the only person that we're looking at is us. And so one of the secrets in getting yourself out of that is saying, I wonder who else is going through something difficult that I can look for an opportunity to serve. Because let me be clear on something. Some of us are sitting in here and saying, man, Johnny, I'm so glad you talked about caring for people because I want to raise my hand and say, hey, everybody, I want some care. Please me. I got a list of some things that I need people to do for me. That's not what we're talking about. You missed the piece where I said mutual care. Where I'm not just thinking about how can you care for me, but I'm thinking about how can I care for you. If you know you're a person who struggles with this, and we all do, but if you want to really take a test and think about, think about your conversations in the last week with people that you are in relationship with, that you would say are, are just people that are for you and are with you. How often in a conversation, maybe you went out to coffee, maybe you talked on the phone, maybe you FaceTimed, whatever it is, what, whatever it is, the conversation that you had with some of your friends, how much of that conversation was about you? I had someone, a mentor of mine, say, he was talking about leadership, but it applies to everyone. He's like, you know what good leaders do? They ask more questions than they talk. And some of us, man, 
Someone will say, you know what, I'm going to do that. And you're going to say, hey, how can I care for you? And literally, three hours from the conversation, you could like walk away. Oh, and they'd still be talking. Have you ever had those people? You're like talking to them and you're just like, hold on a second, let me hit it on speaker and I'm just going to start doing work. Yep. Yep. You ever been around those people? I'm not going to say I have or I have not. And we wonder if we're sometimes those people, why at the end of that, there's this, still this hole in us. It's because we've been so self-focused rather than saying, wait a minute, if I have the Holy Spirit in me and you have the Holy Spirit in me, how can we care for one another? How can we provide that mutual care? Listen to me, I have had seasons of my life too many to count, where I am so thankful for individuals who showed care for me. Who understood, oh yeah, pastors, yeah, it's not the easiest thing for them either. They're actually human. I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that God has given to me to also ask, man, how can I care for you? How can I encourage you? And tell me what's going on in your life, more than just how you're doing good. No, 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 I really want to know. And those have been sweet times. And what happens when we are focused on doing that and providing mutual care, the idea is, is man, it's like oil. You have a sense of God's presence. You have a sense of God's spirit working because it's just like that oil that's anointed. Wait a minute, I've been anointed as a, as a child of the king. I am a priest because of Jesus Christ. I have the opportunity not just to be ministered to, but to minister. And God, who are those people that you place in my life that are divine appointments that you literally can't explain. You're like, no, no, there's no way that, that contact would have reached out to me by any reason. I haven't talked to that person in a year and all of a sudden out of the blue, where is God inviting you to provide that mutual care? Those of you who are like, man, I need care right now. But also ask yourself, not to minimize the care that you need, but who can you care for? Mutual care. Because when mutual care is given, true community is the result. And when we experience this type of mutual care, here's what we also experience. It's the second thing that community provides that is essential to helping you look up. Look at verse 3. It says, it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For where the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now the second of, the second, or the third verse I should say of this psalm gives another image it mentions Hermon. Now here's what you need to understand about Hermon. It's the highest mountain in all of the Israeli area. It rises to 9,000 feet in the Lebanon range, Lebanon being just north of Israel. It's located several hundred miles north of Jerusalem. And if any of you have ever done any mountain climbing or lived in higher elevations like in Colorado or places like that, you know in the morning that dew is so heavy when you're in those higher elevations. It's much heavier than here in Winston-Salem when you walk out of your lawn, you walk out on your lawn and it's wet. It's a, it's a heavy dew. And the idea is, is this alpine dew, it communicates, like if you ever experienced that, it's like there's just this freshness in the air. There's this 
sense of optimism. Man, when you've been on a mountain and you look out, I remember I went to Colorado in January. I'd never been out to Colorado before. And man, just open up my Bible and seeing that mountain range, those Colorado Rockies, and being up in a higher elevation and just being like, wow. There's a sense of optimism. There's an anticipation of growth that something's on the horizon. That's why the psalmist uses this analogy of Hermon. And here this dew is also said to fall on Zion, Zion another word for the city of Jerusalem, which is not very high in comparison, even though it's the highest elevated city in the region there in Israel. But here's the point, is that the dew of the unity of community benefits everyone and provides the second thing, not just mutual care, but here's the second thing, meaningful relationships. That man, when I'm focused on individuals in my life, and man, I want to care for you, and you want to care for me, and we're experiencing that mutual care, and we're there laughing together, we're there crying together, we're there encouraging one another, and, and we're vulnerable with one another, and we know that that person doesn't think less of me because I'm admitting my weakness, and I don't think less of that person because they're admitting their weakness, and we know we're on this road together just like the children of Israel were, and we know we need encouragement at times, and we get tired, and we get weak, and we get pessimistic, and we think, man, how long is this going to go? But man, when we experience that mutual care, like, no, 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 I'm here for you to lean on, and you're there for me to lean on, and you're there to pick me up when I fall, and I'm there to pick you up when you fall. The result of that mutual care is, man, you get deep relationships. Meaningful relationships. Let me give you some characteristics of these, and we'll be done and these have scripture verses attached to them. We don't have time to read every one of these, but I encourage you to write these down. Here's some characteristics of meaningful relationships. I have five of them. And you believe the best about one another. The best. There's not this level of cynicism. Well, I'm not sure what they really meant by that. I'm not sure really what they're going for here. I'm not really sure that this is sincere. No, no, there's not that. Believe the best about one another. Here's another one. You bear with one another through the difficult seasons. You're like, man, I know I got men and women who have my back, and I have their back. Here's a third one. You celebrate your differences. I know this is a foreign concept today, but you celebrate your differences. I'm so glad that you're different than me. I'm so glad. Listen, it would be a miserable world, even though sometimes I think it would be amazing if everybody was wired like me. Wouldn't be fun. Everyone would really struggle in encouraging one another. There'd be a whole lot more challenge than invitation. I'm so thankful that, that there are differences between us. I'm so thankful that not every person thinks the way that I think. We live, we, we have to remind ourselves in this contentious environment that we live in. We don't have time to go on all the reasons of that, that we no longer want to sit down and say, hey, help me understand what your background is and, 
and I want to understand what yours is and how can we understand our differences and how can we in our differences be able to see commonalities. But man, when you have a meaningful relationship and you'll know it if you have it, you don't look at your differences as something to get upset about. No, you look at your differences as something to celebrate. How about this one? You're hopeful in the growth of one another. Which means there's forgiveness involved. There's enough of a relationship that you can say, man, I was really hurt in that when you said that, when you did that. And you share that with them. And forgiveness can be extended and hope can be given that you know what, we're both on this journey together this ascent to becoming more like Jesus, to one day being with him in heaven. And there's gonna be times where we're gonna hurt each other because we're all sinful people. And there's gonna be times where we're gonna disappoint one another, but there's hope in the growth of one another. And then this is this last one. You rejoice with one another in the milestones of life. Like who are those people when you wanna pick up the phone when something awesome happens. That's a gift from the Lord. It's a characteristic of a meaningful relationship from God's word. Celebrate that, run to that, don't run away from it. Don't fall into the lie that you need to isolate yourself if you're struggling today. I mean, I'm so thankful for individuals that I have in my life that are made up of this church that I could literally say, honest before God, that every one of those characteristics I have experienced. Listen to me, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And every once in a while, we need to remind ourselves of what we have in Jesus. And if we're not experiencing this, there's a reason why, because sin has gotten involved and sin has been unconfessed. Because it's the desire for every child of God to give these things and experience these things. See, I want you to think of the friends that you enjoy with be, being with the most right now. Just think of them. I know we could list off a litany of individuals that maybe haven't been the greatest friends to us, but I want you to think about the friends that you have. Think about you enjoy with being most, the people who have been there for you in the trenches of life, the people with whom you feel completely alive when you're with them, let me tell you something, that is a hint of heaven. That's a hint of heaven. Why do I say that? Because look at what it says in the passage. It says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There's blessing and experiencing mutual care. There's blessing and experiencing meaningful relationships. Here's the idea that I want you to walk out today that we could sum it all up with in a sentence. It's this. Looking up is a choice that needs the support of a loving community. You and I can't do it on our own. Practically, listen to me. You have an opportunity when you walk out of these doors to sign up for a life group at the end of this service if you're not involved in one already. I'm not saying that's the only place that you can experience biblical community, 
But some of you may be newer here and you're like, man, I, I love this church, but I, I want to experience some meaningful relationships in this place. That's the place that I would encourage you to go. Some of you are really hurting right now. Some of you are really feeling weak right now. Some of you are really struggling right now. And God seems very small and your circumstance loom very large. And I want to encourage you that at this place, we understand that's a reality. I've been there. Hear me, I have been there. And so I want to encourage you, there's a thing that we have here called restore. It's a focused, Christ-centered care for when God seems small and your circumstances seem big. You can go to our website, you can find Restore, you can, you can reach out to Aaron and, and Jenny Lundquist. Aaron's our executive pastor, he was praying this morning. He'll be in the lobby, he would love to talk to you more about that. But listen to me, don't fall in the trap of isolating yourself. No, no, no. Put yourself in a place where you can experience these things. Would you pray with me? God, we are here today to remind ourselves of where our commonality is found first and foremost, and it's found in Jesus. It's not found in, oh, you grew up the same place I grew up, or, oh, you're married too, or you're single too, or go to the same college that I go to, or you have the same hobbies that I do, or you vote the same way that I do, you think about mass the same way that I do, whatever it is. God, our commonality is found in Jesus Christ. That is where our mutual care and meaningful relationships are anchored. And God, so often we experience hurt, we experience pain, that oftentimes is experienced because of people. And it causes us to run, to isolate. And God, may we not do that. May we not fall into that temptation. Would we, would we be wise and looking for people that desire to provide that care? And may we desire to provide that care to them. And may we celebrate the meaningful relationships that you place in our lives and see that as a taste of heaven. See that as an act of your grace. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.